What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Before we get any further into today's episode, I would like you to go over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps the show to grow up on the charts as well as continue to tell the SID story. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Infocast and sign up for our newsletter at sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. Now, let's get into today's conversation. going on guys i hope you all are doing well welcome to another episode of sid cast now murray was kind enough to uh do a quick turnaround a quick little scheduling uh switch here because i originally had nobody planned for this week i know that crossover season is hitting everybody hard including myself um i had gotten people scheduled for the coming weeks um and then I, i looked at my schedule probably tuesday monday tuesday and i was like who do i have and i had nobody so uh, Murray was kind enough to volunteer into that position. Um, he was the next up in line, and I told him that I would get this turnaround pretty quickly for him. And um, so I am. Haven't really uh, moved from this chair since uh, we last talked. So um, yeah, here we are uh, again. We will talk about the crossover season as it is uh, hell for the most of you. Um, we'll talk about being able to schedule in breaks, uh, how not to come out of your office in a body bag come March. Um, as and as far as not like somebody's gonna kill you, but as far as you're gonna might uh, overwork yourself. Um, also talking about trying new things and maybe some advice to young professionals about trying new things and maybe um, listening to some of your older older uh, mentors and maybe older people in your department, professors, grandparents even. Um, we got that on deck, and then we've also got a lot of talk about writing and journalism and the importance of being the historian to your university or your college, respectively, uh, how you might be the bridging the gap between um, having no information at all and having all the information in the world as far as your athletic teams are concerned. Um, yeah, I don't really have much in the way of uh, announcements. Again, good luck to everybody. Uh, I know tournament season is starting to come around we have the big 10 men's swimming and diving championships here um starting tonight i don't have to be there until tomorrow morning uh we've also got senior night for women's basketball coming up we've got women's big 10 tournament that i'm working um been on the hook for working softball away games now so so yeah yeah you guys know what to do um and again good luck to everybody can't wait to see uh See you all at the end of the year come June. Uh, I think it'll be fun. So we will. Uh, I will stop rambling for a little bit. Uh, we will start off episode 151. And thank you all for the kind messages and words uh, last week of hitting 150 episodes. That was meant a lot to me um, to be able to get that far one. Because a lot of podcasts don't even get past like 10 episodes, I think, uh, before they start to really burn out. And they, you know, cease to exist, basically. So, we're episode 151 today of SID Cast with Murray Evans of the Oklahoma Christian Eagles and uh, his sport background growing up right here on SID Cast. I loved sports growing up from the time I was just a little kid. 
in seventh grade I was not going to be a professional athlete. And that broke my heart for like 24 hours. I'm going to have to find some other thing to do with my life. Um, and my plan back then for a while was to be a chiropractor. Um, I had seen a chiropractor as a kid and mm-hmm. it had helped me a lot. First week of junior year of high school, and I went to high school in England. My dad was um, in the civil service. Wow. Height of the Cold War, we were at one of the bases where the F- F-111s were stationed. Some of my best friends' dads were the ones who bombed Muammar Gaddafi in 86. Um, true story. Um, I won't get into that, but so anyway, I'm at this American high school in England, and you got to have an English credit for every semester. Well, all the English classes were full. The counselor at the time, Ms. Schreiber, said, well, we have an opening in, in journalism class, and I kind of sit there with my mom, and I rolled my eyes like, journalism, really? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had thrown newspapers for my very first job in Wichita, Kansas, when I was a kid, but I'm like, I had never thought about writing. I mean, I'm like, she's like, just give it a couple of weeks, and if you don't like it, we'll figure out something. I'm like, oh, okay. But within a couple of weeks, I was deputy editor of the school paper. So I kind of took to it like a fish to water. The editor graduated that next year. I was next in line. I became the editor of the school paper, and I was in journalism, presto. Um, so when I came to college, I was a journalism major, and I was in a news writer, though. I still hadn't thought about sports. I could do sports. After my first semester, they took three of the promising freshmen and put us on paid staff. We actually got scholarships for this. This was kind of cool. Yeah. The opening on the staff was for assistant sports editor. I'm like, okay, I can do that. I remember my very first game. And uh, true story, we're hosting Southeastern Oklahoma State, who had a player named Dennis Rodman. You might have heard of him. Yeah. This, this is early January 1986 and uh, I'm sitting at half court watching this tremendous athlete take apart our team we had a really good team that year but he's taking apart our team they're handing us free cokes they're handing us snacks and popcorn I'm like they pay people to do this sign me up uh-huh. and I'm a sports writer from then on um, I did veer back in the news a little bit in my professional career but I've always since then I've been a sports writer and to this day I mean, last night I was stringing for the AP covering an Oklahoma-Texas Tech game. So I still, um, to this day, I mean, I'm still a sports writer. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, it kind of, I got thrown into it my junior year of high school and then just by accident, and by accident got thrown into sports. And here I am, you know, what, 30-plus years later, still doing it. I think it's a good testament to trying new things because you were sitting there as a junior especially I don't mean like and you know this young people don't want to try new things at all I try and make my I I tell my interns get a hobby holy crap you'd think I would ask them to move the world an inch or two but um what 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 do you what's some advice you give to maybe even like we were talking off air about you having GAs and stuff maybe even some athletes of yours, to try new things because you never know what you're going to like. And like you said, you didn't want to be in the journalism class. Within a couple of weeks, you're damn near in charge of the whole thing. I mean, what what's some advice you give to those? Uh, well, <laughs> I wish my 16-year-old son would listen to me when I give him advice about stuff like that. Although, to, to be fair, he tried band two years ago at his high school. He loves band. He's a percussionist. Uh-huh. 
he's he's doing something with that. You know, listen to listen to us older folks sometimes it will be a good piece of advice. Um, I had people you know, molding me who were in their 40s and 50s when I was in high school, when I was in college, and I may not have realized at the time that they were molding me and giving me advice that, you know, they'd seen something in me that maybe could be, you know, taken to the next level. If someone who's older than you, who knows you, tells you, hey, maybe you ought to try this, maybe you should listen to them. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said for experience. I always tell a funny story. I, I have an uncle. He's in his um, 70s now. When I was in my 20s, we'd go visit his house in California, and uh, we'd be playing basketball. And he said, Murray, old age and treachery will always defeat youth and exuberance every time. And he would invariably beat me, even though I was young and in shape and uh-huh. you know, high school athlete. And he was in his 40s. He still beat me. Old age and treachery. Now that I'm older... I know that's true. Old age and treachery will defeat youth and exuberance. Well, old age also brings with it wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my mentors to this day is, is a fellow named Stan Green, who was Oklahoma Christian's very first SID. He basically created that position there. Um, he's in the Cosida Hall of Fame. Uh, he's still at every home basketball game with his wife, Betty. They are just wonderful people. And if I ever have a question about something, or uh, how did you? How do you approach something? I go to Stan. You know, Stan's in his 80s, but Stan's got a lot of wisdom that I don't have yet because mm-hmm. I'm only in my 50s. I have wisdom in my 50s that maybe a, you know some of my GAs now don't have. I hope they get there. Um, I see them learning, and I think eventually some of the lessons will click. Uh, at least I hope they do. Um, so I would say listen to people who are older and kind of absorb some of their knowledge. They may not know everything, mm. but I guarantee you that they'll know something. Yeah, uh, I, I think I just listened to a podcast maybe a couple of weeks ago about taking, maybe not criticism, I think might be a bad word, but like taking advice like that. And a lot of that had to do with kind of, okay, is this person qualified to tell you, you know, give you some advice? Because a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this too, I hate it when people tell me what to do. But I've worked on, being able to try and one research these people like I do with every guest that comes on the show and to val to maybe think in the back of my head, okay, what this person is saying is absolutely valid. And maybe, yes, I should listen to try it a different way. Kind of like what you said. Uh, my dad, uh, uh, back last May, I ran a 5k for the first time in years. And we were talking off air about our cross country stuff and everything. Um, and I remember taking, I remember, being kind of toward the front of the line. And when the gun went off, all these kids, these like junior high, high school, maybe young 20 kids sprint. Now we've got, you and I both know, we've got three miles of this thing. (laughs) And I just remember kind of like hanging back and I wasn't worried about where I was at. I wasn't worried about my time, my position. If I was, if I was like the old dog still beating these young kids. And I was just thinking, oh, amateurs. (laughs) you're gonna die and guess what i caught these kids maybe a mile into it and i finished in the top 10 and it was like (coughs) excuse me it was that same way that same thinking like you're having that wisdom and having that ability to learn and learn from other people and learn from your past mistakes and maybe even some past experiences they're gonna help you in the future so 
Yeah, absolutely. My son, when he, um, when he was oh, eight or nine, we, we, we have this event every year in our campus called the Holiday Hustle, and it's a benefit of our cross-country and track teams. It's, it, it, it's, it's a big 5K race. Well, they have a kid's run. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's about 600 yards, maybe a little bit more than that. Well, he takes off the first year he's running, and he just he's 40 yards clear of everyone running down the hill. And I said, Conrad, you're going to have to say some energy when you come back up the hill. Well, didn't listen to his dad. Come back up the hill, and he's dying. And there's this girl whose two brothers were both on our cross-country team who obviously had a lot of practice. And she just steadily gaining on him. Mm-hmm. He, he gets about 15 yards from the end, finish line. He just stops. So like, I can't go anymore, Dad. I'm like, you got to go. And she just, yes, just drives by him and he finishes second. He learned a lesson. Um, don't burn yourself out early. And, you know, really that applies in life, mm-hmm. um, especially for us during crossover season. Don't burn yourself out early in the day. Don't burn yourself out early in the week. Save some energy for, for later in the week. Um, I'm, you know, though I've, told you off air we've had three straight weekends of softball festivals with baseball and basketball games on top of them you can't burn yourself out on it um you you know you you plan far enough ahead so that when the time comes the plan takes effect and and you go because otherwise you know there'd be a bunch of sids leaving campuses and body bags in the middle of march every year Mm -hmm. um you just have to plan for it and and uh so anyway, I kind of veering off a little bit there, no, but good. I think I think that's a good life lesson too. Yeah, uh, I mean, you would have to kind of schedule in breaks. I think is important as well because we're starting to hit that. We're starting to hit that time. I mean, I've got today to myself to kind of catch up on some orders that I've got and some other things. Um, but tomorrow, I've got to go to the Big Ten Men's Swimming and Diving Championships in the morning, and then by that evening, I got to be there for Senior Day for Nebraska, women's basketball against Nebraska. So, like, you're not going to get much breathing room or anything like that, and you need to be able to schedule these breaks. And you might, and people might roll their eyes and say that, but how would you think they should go about doing that in order to not leave in a body bag? I like that term. I mean, um, how would you say, what would you say to those that, one, know they need to take a break, and two, maybe have the courage to take a break during this busy time? Well, number one, you have to be honest with the people who, supervise you and my athletic director david lynn's been wonderful about this he he sees since he's been the athletic director he sees how hard the sid works mm-hmm. he has worked really hard to get me gas and one thing he's preached to me and he sometimes he's had to bring me in and lecture me make sure that you're giving them work and this last month i couldn't have survived without them mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of them is really good at social media one of them's great at video and graphics one of them is really good at keeping. I'm as good at announcing, and, and I'm I'm the writer of the group. Everyone has their thing to do. Yeah. Don't try to do it all yourself. Um, at least if you do, and and I know there are some, you know, other people who maybe maybe not are not as blessed as we are with multiple GAs, but find other people to help. There are there are always going to be people who are willing to help. Um, when I was. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a one-person shop, and we have 21 sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, I, I have essentially three GAs. Uh, you know, you got to prioritize. Obviously, a sport in season is going to have more priority than a sport out of season. 
as Fort nearing its postseason. I, I know you mentioned swimming. We have swimming too. They're announcing the national pairings for Division Two today. Hmm. Um, we have basketball is coming up on you know Senior Day is, is, is Saturday. Um, maybe a bit more important right now than the spring sports in the early at the start of the year. Um, that just you know you, you have to prioritize things and. In my first years of doing this, I mean, I, I would just go find find people, you know, just fans that I knew, fellow alumni. Hey, can you help me with this? Mm-hmm. You know, would you be willing to run the shot clock? Or that's that's how I found our PA announcer for basketball. He was an old friend of mine. Um, my first year of, of being an SID basketball PA. Basketball is our big sport, and finding an announcer was difficult. Who could be there every game? Well, my friend Tim said. I'm an old preacher. I can do that. <laughs> and, and and I said, can you be there every game? He goes, yeah. So eight years later, he's been to every game but one in eight years. And he is an incredible announcer. Uh, we're, adding, we're adding volleyball next year. He's going to take over volleyball duties as well. Um, sometimes you just got to ask people. Yeah. And and it helps to have a supportive administration. And, and we do. And, but, uh, I just found, especially at my age, I can't, you know, I'm not a young pup anymore. I can't, I, I can't do, like, two weeks worth of 16-hour days. I can maybe pull one or two occasionally, but you have to trust the people that you've hired mm-hmm. and working for you, your students. It's amazing what students can do, and I keep reminding myself of that. It's amazing what students can do when you show them how to do it. And my, as I, my idea has drummed that into me. Um, Put them to work. We're paying them for a reason. And um, I'm glad I've finally gotten over my stubbornness and listened to them. And, uh, you know, it, I couldn't have gotten through these last three weeks, of, you know, of these softball festivals without them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, let's get back to some of your background here. I mean, okay. you're kind of like what you said. You're still relatively new in this profession, but you were in the newspaper industry for a while. Um, what was your interaction like with the sports information office in college and what was it like when you were working for an Oklahoma, Oklahoma city newspaper area? Well, in college, the quote unquote SID was the assistant basketball coach. And really we had our school at the time had track teams. They had cross country teams. I think men's cross country. Hmm. They started in soccer my sophomore year and we had basketball and we had baseball and that was it. So there wasn't much in the way of, a need for an SID. I mean, we're talking, this is the mid to late eighties. Um, the track coach would always bring handwritten results to us in the newspaper office, school newspaper office every day. So there wasn't much of an interaction there. I started working at, um, the Oklahoman in my junior year, which was uh, February of 88. Hmm. And I was put on full time after graduate, after I graduated in May of 89. Um, and it was then I started to learn what an SID is. Um, I was assigned to cover the state's NAIA and Division II schools, and that's about 16, and then junior colleges. So when you had junior colleges, then you're talking about 20, 25 schools. Not all of them had SIDs. Football schools did. Yeah. Um, and back then, they would ma- they would send their mailers out on Monday and <laughs> hope they arrived in time for you, you to do your preview stories on, on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Um, I actually veered into the SID business for a couple of years in a part-time way 
in the mid-90s while we still got the newspaper, they asked me to be the Sooner Athletic Conference SID. And so I got I'm a, every Sunday I get my, my faxes from the uh, conference SIDs, and I would pick a player of the week, um, which very conveniently would be posted in the paper the next day because I was writing my State College Notes column that day. Yeah. Um, I would go home on my Magnavox video writer and, and, uh, for, uh, for all you 80s technology people out there and put together the, the stat list, print them out, go to Kinko's, um, run some copies, and start stuffing envelopes mm-hmm. and go to the post office Monday afternoon, have all that mailed so people can have them for our games Thursday. Um, so it was a different world back then. Um, I mean, I got to know a lot of the SIDs because, I mean, I'd be on the phone with them a lot, um, you know, trying to set up interviews. And we did a lot of stuff by phone. Um, I covered the whole state. Um, the local schools I was able to get to, but, you know, if you're off at Oklahoma Panhandle State five hours away, you know, I'm not going to make that drive very often. Um, but uh, I got you know, I got to know some SIDs back then. A couple of those are still my very good friends. Mike Kirk in Central Oklahoma, who went into the Cosada Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. He's still working there part-time. Um, I dealt with him a lot back in that era. Um, one of my very good friends, Justin Tinder, is another one who's um, worked at a lot of different schools here in Oklahoma. And he's my age, and he's still in the business, one of my very good friends. Um, it was just a different time back then. Um, I never pictured myself actually doing that. Yeah. I was always kind of coming from the journalism side of it. But I always thought, you know, kind of back in my head, if something ever happened, maybe this could be something that I could do. But I didn't, wasn't really pursuing it. I mean, I was at the Oklahoman for 15 years. I veered off to work for a high school magazine for a couple of years. I worked at home, and they're based in California. But I still worked for the Oklahoman all through that. Um, and then in 2003, the Associated Press had an opening in Lexington, Kentucky. And I applied for that, and in a major upset, I somehow got that job. So I found myself covering high-profile horse racing, did several derbies, covered SEC football. Yes, Kentucky was SEC football, um, and and obviously very high-profile basketball. Um, Kentucky's SID now, Tony Neely, is one of my very best friends in the whole world. Their SID at the time was a guy named Scott Strickland. Now, that name might ring a bell now. Yep. He's the athletic director of Florida, and, and, and we're still friends. Um, Susan Lacks, who's still uh, one of the football SIDs in Kentucky, was on the staff back then. Um, still good friends with her. Um, and I kind of learned more, obviously, as an AP reporter, what it's like to deal with you know, major college uh, sports information. And then after three years in Kentucky, we came back home to Oklahoma, worked for the AP here for a few years. And as everyone is well aware at this point, journalism is not a growth industry. And um, the former athletic director, Curtis Jans, who's now at Arkansas Fort Smith, um, came to me in summer of 2011 and said, hey, we're going to apply for Division II membership and we need to have a full-time SID. Would you be interested? And I think to his surprise, I said, I'd be very interested in that. And one thing led to another, and by that by that fall, I was back on campus. And so I've been doing it ever since. I still freelance a lot for both the Oklahoma and the AP. Um, I think to kind of keep my writing skills sharp. And um, plus it's good, especially when I'm covering 
Oklahoma and Oklahoma State to deal with the SIDs at those schools because what the SIDs at a Division One school do and Division Two slash NAI do are completely different. Yeah, but it's always good to kind of compare notes, and uh, I, I've learned a lot from from folks like Gavin Lang at Oklahoma State, Kevin Clintworth, Mike Houck, um, Tyler Pig was at OU. Um, now he's at Houston. Um, I think guys like Jared Thompson, Ben Colder Jelly now, who's their men's basketball contact. And you pick up things that you can maybe apply at your level, maybe in, in a smaller sense. Um, but you, you just build those, build those relationships. It really is helpful with me that the women's basketball coach at Oklahoma is Sherry Cole, who's one of my old classmates <laughs> at Oklahoma Christian. And she's set all kinds of records, and she's been inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. And um, we've, I've dealt a lot with the OU people, giving them information and old pictures of her. Um, but it, it just, you know, I, I've kind of developed an appreciation kind of for both sides of the business. I mean, we talk a lot about sports information. It, it, you know, it's what pays the bills for us. Mm-hmm. But we do a lot with journalists, too. And I kind of bridge the gap, I think, between those two. And um, my connections in the journalism world have helped me land some pretty nice stories, both with the Oklahoma and the AP. Um, and I try to take advantage of that every chance I can, but I, I try to also remember what my roots are. That's writing. Yeah. I want to kind of talk about your roots there for a second, because like you said, you made the transition when they asked you, Hey, are you interested in being OC use SID? And you're like, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> You're still a firm believer in the journalism field and carrying that journalism, both ethics and practices, into SID work now. Um, we're, now we're seeing a lot of people, like you said, off air, we're just going to bullet points. We're going to maybe just video recaps. Or I, don't, I don't even know what, what, the ne- what the thing is to do now. But um, you're still holding firm in your roots. Why is that in a field that seems to change a lot over the past couple of years? And uh, why do you think it's a, it's a, a tradition that should still be carried in the sports information profession? Well, I'll say I'm a, before I kind of answered, getting to the nuts and bolts of the answer, I say, I, I do believe in video. I do believe in graphics mm-hmm. and I do believe in social media. Those are all very important tools. And I'm fortunate. I have a GA who's exceptional in all those areas. And he, you know, he shoots video. He does graphics. Um, I have another one who, ha- who helps me handle social media. Those are all very important tools to have. I also understand that one of my responsibilities as ESID is to be the historian for our department. Um, and I'll give you, and I, I tell this story because I think it it kind of shows the importance of writing full length stories. A couple of years ago, we, st- we started to honor our, at our school called Teams of Distinction. And the first team we honored was a 1968 basketball team that had won the NAI um, state championship and gone on the national tournament. First team had ever done that. And we have very little in the way of contemporary records from that era. We have yearbooks. Um, fortunately for me, the coach of that team was in his 20s, so he's still living, and he gave me a, you know, a lot of memories that were wonderful. There wasn't much that was necessarily, I mean, I used a lot of what he told me because that's what I had, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have a lot of concrete details of all these great games that we played. We beat the number one team in the nation twice in their home court to go to the national tournament. That's a great story. 
but we don't have we have very few details of how that happened. I still managed to do it. I like to think a decent story on it. This last year, we honored our 1972 baseball team that had finished third in the NAIA. Well, one of the coaches of one of the players from that team was a guy who went on to be a high school coach here in Oklahoma City. So I knew him from my days as um, a high school beat writer. And I met him up at, he has a field named after him now here in Oklahoma City. I met, met him there and he said, I have the scrapbook. And in the scrapbook are stories of every single game that ran in the Oklahoma, or every single story that ran in the Oklahoma, of every postseason game that we played that year. That's like gold. If you're writing a story about a team's postseason run, uh-huh. and you have stories of all other games, all the way from district level all the way to nationals, in contemporaneous form, oh my goodness, that was like gold. It was, I think that was a fantastic story. And of course, those probably got scanned, and I guess they're in our record. But you know, they're in our record piles now. Um, we are always going to be around. 30, 40, 50 years from now, there'll be people writing stories about, you know, our softball team won our conference title last year, went on to the NCAA tournament for the first time, and made a run all the way to the regional championship. Well, someday, I like to think they're going to be and get some kind of award from our school. Whoever's after me 30, 40, 50 years from now will be writing about that. They're going to be glad that they have contemporaneous story or stories that I wrote. I mean, I wrote long stories about all these games and all their accomplishments. Um, is, is every game story 600 words? Absolutely not. Um, if we get our heads kicked in, it's, you know, 150 yeah. <laughs> words. The next game is Tuesday. Um, if it's, you know, I mean, there's just no way that you could write that many long stories about, you know, and, and, and as we talked earlier, people aren't going to read every story like that. But, you know, our baseball team had a six run eighth inning and won 11 to 10 on Monday. Well, that story was maybe a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of an historic comeback. And I think that was about six, 700 words. Um, but I think it's important to include the color and background, you know, why is something important? Not just, you know, Joe Smith went three for four and hit and hit a home run and had three RBIs. That's great, but, you know, did Joe Smith's team, like, maybe have lost, just lost its last three games by, you know, and been outscored like 35 to six or something, and then all of a sudden he has this great game and they win? That's what happened to us this weekend in baseball. Um, there's a lot of background that sometimes gets lost when you don't when, in, in the bullet points. And I say I'm all for graphics, and we send out graphics, you know, you know, score graphics, and we do video highlights, and and and, and all that. But we all, and I just think it's important, you know, ten years from now, these these young men and women are going to have kids. And they're going to be telling their kids what a great athlete they were. And I want them to have something to go back to and say, look, you know, look what, you know, look what mommy did. She, you know, she pitched a no hitter in this game. Uh-huh. You know, look what daddy did. He hit three home runs in this game. I want them to be able to have that kind of in written form so they can go back, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now and go back and read it. Um, I just think it's important for them 
to be able to have that. And then that's just part of being a historian. And maybe maybe it's kind of lost in today's modern society, where you know everything is like has to be up to the minute, and you know, bam, bam, bam. Maybe step back a little bit and say, you know, take the extra ten or fifteen minutes. And I say that now. I will acknowledge it's a little bit easier for me being a former. Uh, journalist and especially being an associated press reporter where I mean we're used to cranking out 8, 10, 12 stories a day mm. um, and it, it's always you know high stress hectic pace so maybe I write a little bit faster than most but I, I also think it's just important to take the time to chronicle all that because you never know when someone's going to need that 20 years from now 30 years from now um and I try, I, I try to think of the future, too. Um, I'm in my 50s. I'm, I'm probably not going to be doing this 20 years from now. I hope I'm not doing this 20 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe if my kids don't finish college in time, I might be. Uh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I just think it's important looking long term. And I, and I tell the stories about writing those, about those two different teams. I had contemporaneous stories for one. I did not for the other. And just, I think the second story was so much better because I had the stories that were written in the moment. And I, I think we lose that sometimes when we write stories that are a bullet point or we just do a score graphic and go on to the next thing. I think that's lost. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you covered a lot there. And God, I hope my kids believe me when I tell them I was an athlete, a good athlete. I just hope. I'm glad we have all the stats for that, though. Um I want to yeah and then they're like no you're just you're just the guy that was there for it you know um I want to talk about maybe because you've worked in the Oklahoma and like you said the AP and Lexington Kentucky and then moving back to Oklahoma um people always I see in the groups a lot of times they they always kind of ask like who do I have to contact maybe at ESPN for the assignment desk um to get this story or maybe get this highlight in there as a journalist professional basically what were some things you guys were looking for when it came to qualifying as a good story, maybe that you would publish in the AP or the Oklahoman from these different schools, and maybe how do you pitch these stories now? Well, and, and, and I say, you know, I think AP is comparable to ESPN in its breadth of scope. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're looking for stuff that's really going to be of general interest to a lot of people. Um, and... I quickly realized as a Division Two SID that, you know, we might just hit a three-pointer to win the game, but that wasn't really a big concern of theirs. It's got to be a story that grabs your attention. Um, good human interest stories always grab someone's attention. I was just looking at my Facebook timeline today, and it was, oh, I forget how many years ago, probably now three or four years ago. We had a men's basketball coach who had been there um, 30 plus years. He'd won more than 700 games. He was well known nationally. He, I mean, he'd worked with USA Basketball with guys like Jim Beheim and Lon Kruger. Um, he went on to receive like a, in, in a national NABC award. Um, when we did our farewell video for him, we got contributions from guys like Bill Self. Um, I mean, he was well known. His thing, though, he always pushed the broom. He always swept the floor in the gym. That was his thing. Mm-hmm. Coach Hayes. The manager didn't do it. Coach Hayes always swept the floor. And I'm pitching this to the local columnists, like, you know, and, and to the 
to the um, AP people. Like, here's a guy who's in your top 50 all-time in wins in college basketball history who still sweeps his own gym floor. And what a great story. And they bought it. And we had, you know, the AP was out here. The Oklahoma did a great story on him. Um, sometimes you just get lucky. A few years ago, we had a player go 20 of 20 from the field in a basketball game. Well, if you, if, if you say, well, how many times has that ever happened? The answer is two, ever. Any college basketball level, anywhere. He was the second kid to do it. Mm. Um, that was a pretty easy sell. Um, and he had a great name, too, John Moon. He's a seven-foot center, 20 of 20 from the field. Um, and I wasn't there because I was off scoring softball, but that's a whole other uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <for> entirely. <laughs> Not that I'm still salty about that. But uh, sometimes you just get a great, you know, it's got to be just this fantastic stat like that. If you're at a smaller college, you're at a Division One school, I think the doors open a little bit easier. At Division Two or Division Three or NAI or junior college, they don't open quite so easy. You got to have someone who does something incredible like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned I'm a fan of video, and I'll give you an example of, of why. Uh, the last few years, we had a about a five foot seven guard named Addie Clift. She led the nation in scoring last season, uh, more than 26 a game. And she had a game against Eastern New Mexico, and I apologize to my friends at Eastern New Mexico for mentioning this because it's a game they probably want to forget. Mm-hmm. She scored. She broke our school record with 44 points. Um, she had. We went up and measured. She had three of the. She hit like eight three pointers. Three of them were from 35 feet or beyond. One of them we clocked at 38 feet or measured at 38 feet. And we had video of all these, and our video got put together a package by a two minute package of every one of her shots that game. Um, and that got so much traction. And I was just able to say, to able to say to reporters, Hey, why don't you look at this video and then come back and, and you'll want to talk to me. And sure enough, the Oklahoma looked at that video and this couldn't have happened more perfect. They, they ran a story comparing her to Paul George, who was with the thunder at Uh the time and it ran on a Saturday morning. That Saturday afternoon, she went out and broke her own school record and scored 45 points. Had 21 in the first quarter. Um, and so video, but without that video, people wouldn't have, you know, I could have said, oh, she's a great, you know, this long-range shooter and Steph Curry and Paul George and all this. And they would have said, yeah, rolled their eyes, yeah, that's a Division Two team. When they see the video, they're like, oh, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Video can help. I mean, if you have visual proof, like, hey, this is a spectacular player, um, you know, she's done spectacular things. Um, and, you know, I use any and all resources at my disposal. And I'm not afraid to use my connections w- with some of the writers and just say, hey, you know what? I know you're busy. And I know that there aren't, you know, the newspaper staff now is maybe, oh, maybe a fifth of what it used to be um, when I was there. But I said, this is worth your time. And this is worth your effort. And I really don't, I, I, I know the AP writer here in Oklahoma really well. I don't hit him with something unless I just know that it's something that he's going to, that it's worth his time. Because he's going to take it up his chain of command. And I know what they're going to say if, it, if, if, if it's not a good story. 
Um, so y- y- you have to choose wisely what you're going to push. Yeah. Um, make sure it's especially noteworthy. Make sure it's got a great human interest angle to it. Um, someone I think is really good at this is Paul Smith, who's now, and I'm so glad Paul's in our conference now at Texas Women's. Um, Paul is sensational about this, about the human interest, you know, taking a human interest angle, angle, get my tongue untied there, and selling it. Um, and if you saw some of the work he did at Arkansas Tech, oh my goodness, um, he, he's just so good at what he does. Um, I'm, I'm glad to have friends like him. Um, and I could go off on a tangent about that too, but uh, I, I would just say make sure that, you know, be be judicious. Don't don't bury them with you know so many ideas that they're going to basically just ignore you. Make sure it's really really good before you go, you take that step and go to like a national level. Yeah. I like having that extra layer to it too. Cause you're like, Hey, I've got this story. Here's the proof. You know, I like that yeah. a lot. I also like being able to, uh, knowing, discerning from yourself and from your department when it is a good feature piece, because that's when, cause now you build up that rapport with somebody to say that they know, Hey, Murray or David or anybody else is reaching out. That means they've got something good. So I like that a lot, but um, yeah. yeah, we're bumping up time against here, or we're bumping up against time here. But I just want to ask you some fun questions here at the end. How, how does that sound? Let's go for it. All right, awesome. Well, um, first one I've got for you: favorite memory in your professional tenure? It could be both SID and it can, it can be both uh, journalism too. Well, I'll stick with, with just the SID part of it. For, for I mean, I, I have so many great memories of things I got to cover as a journalist. Um, between NBA finals and Kentucky derbies and things like that. But as an SID, you know, we both have mentioned already multiple times that uh, we're cross country runners. I was in high school. You were uh, obviously a lot more talented than I was. (laughs) Um, My very first semester as an SID, our cross country team went to number one in the, in the NAIA. We went to the national meet held in Vancouver, Washington, and we won. And the thrill of watching your team in one of your favorite sports, I mean, the sport that you have participated in just a few years earlier, winning a national championship, getting their awards, getting a picture with a trophy. I, we had never – one of my goals I'd always said was to be there when my, when my alma mater had won a national championship. And we hadn't won very many. I think we to that point we'd maybe won one or two. Mm-hmm. To be there, to stand in that gym and hold that trophy and get my picture with my, you know, my index finger upright, that was so cool. I mean, and and we've won other national titles since then. Our golf, our men's golf teams have won a couple. Cross country won again the next year. Um, but that first one was special. Mm-hmm. I mean, just being there and celebrating with those guys and knowing, as an old runner, what they had endured to get to that point, and and just celebrating that accomplishment with them. And, and then when they got back to campus, they were treated like rock stars. These were cross-country runners. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen to a cross-country runner. But they had people meeting them at the gym with their bus pulled in the park, you know, from the airport and were cheering for them. We honored them in chapel the next Monday, and they got a standing ovation. That was really cool. And, I mean, that, that memory will always stick with me for as long as I do this. 
What about on the other side? What's your biggest horror story? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> uh, I could I think of, you know, I could think of uh, stories that, that went awry. Uh, I remember having to spend the night in the, in the Detroit airport one time because I was actually coming back from a, from a cross country meet in Ohio and got stranded on my flight. I, 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 it was in Cedarville, Ohio, where Mark Womack is. And uh, I, I flew in and out of Lexington because I, I lived there, was seeing some friends. So I flew out that Sunday, and there was snow, snow in Detroit, and no flights were leaving. And that was just kind of a mess. Um, I mean, I did, probably I, I have the usual stories of, you know, coaches who maybe left on not-so-great terms mm-hmm. or, you know, tough losses. I, I the toughest loss that probably I'll ever have to deal with. And I, you know, after being around sports for 30 years, wins and losses don't really get to me. This one did. I, I mentioned our longtime men's basketball coach, Dan Hayes, who's, you know, highly respected um, throughout his industry and had never won a national championship. We'd always had bad luck here and there with draws at the NAI tournament. Well, as we were transitioning into Division Two, we joined the NCCAA, mm-hmm. the National College Athletic Association. And a lot of schools in our kind of same boat did. There were really some pretty good competition in that. Um, Cedarville, Ohio was in there. Shorter of Georgia, who was the in the NAIA Final Four the year before, was in that. But we ended up beating Cedarville, who hadn't lost in like two months. They were a really good team. And we played Shorter in the national championship game. And we're ahead the whole game. And our star post player files out with about two minutes to go, and we're hanging on, and we're hanging on, and we're hanging on. We had a freshman who came down and hit two clutch free throws with like 15 seconds left to put us up three. And I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness, we might actually do this. And we come down, and Shorter misses a three-pointer, and the rebound's long, and we can't get it. So they chase it down. They throw up another one. It misses. The rebound's long. We can't get it. They grab a third one, and they got me – Guy backfoots it from the corner, swish, overtime, and we're dead. I mean, we were done. And I say that, and we still had a three at the end of the game, but the overtime to try to force the second overtime. And we, we, we were out of gas. And when, when that three-pointer went in and they tied the game and forced overtime, I'm like, uh-oh. And Coach Hayes didn't get his national championship, and he retired a few years later. I mean, to me, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's kind of like Dan Marino. Dan Marino was still a great quarterback, even though he never won a Super Bowl, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Dan Hayes was a great coach, even though he never won a national title. But you really want it bad for him because he, he deserved it so much. Yeah. And and that one, and it's maybe not a nightmare story, but that one, that one really hurt. And to this day, I, you know, we talk about we were one rebound away from a national championship, and it sounds so simple but it's maybe not so much no it's one of those things where people are always like well in this situation i would have done this this and this and you don't really know until you're in that situation exactly so um what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession i want to learn more about graphic design and video and it sounds funny coming from a writer but i like to you know even though I'm in my 50s, I want, kind of want to stay up with trends. Mm-hmm. And I also want to learn more about social media and how to use it better. 
I think we use it reasonably well. I do think we could use it a lot better. Um, and of course, in, the, in our copious amounts of spare time is SIDs. I, I do like to read about stuff like that. And, you know, I'm really intrigued by um, all the new Genius Sports products and the NCAA Live Stats programs that we're using. Um, I've seen them used on NBA sidelines. Um, and it's, it's interesting to watch them kind of come to fruition now here in the college ranks. Um, and trying to educate myself more about how those work and, uh, kind of nuts and bolts of it. But, uh, I mean, I'll always at heart though, keep trying to be a better writer. I, I don't think, I don't think, I think that when you stop learning, you stop growing and, I, to this day, I'll read two or three long-form stories, you know, whether it's on ESPN or Sports Illustrated or, you know, even Deadspin's even got some good stuff. Um, or, you know, Bleacher Report. I, mean, I, I will find good long-form stories and read them and just pick up tips. I mean, I think of all the, all the great writers I've had a chance to come in contact um, with through the years. Um, my personal favorite is Doug Ferguson of the Associated Press or Golf Writer. Not just because he's my cousin, and he <laughs> is my cousin, but he's also, he's a guy who's covered the, basically the same subject for 25 years, and every one of his stories feels fresh. And I'm like, man, I'd like to be as good a writer as my cousin someday, because he's really, really good. Um, you know, I think guys like Jerry Tipton, who, who's been covering Kentucky basketball for the Lexington newspaper for 40 years, his stuff is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think of old AP writers like Joe Kay in Cincinnati, um, Doug Tucker in Kansas City, Teresa Walker in Nashville, uh, Cliff Brunt here in Oklahoma City, a good friend of mine. Um, you can never stop improving of what you do. Otherwise, you're going to get worse. Yeah. And so while I'm also trying to improve in video and graphics and, and all that, I also want to improve as a writer. And I think, you know, I see a lot of SIDs who kind of feel the same way. And that's and that's encouraging. Uh, outside of the office, what do you do to have fun? <laughs> if I say watch sports, does that sound terrible? No. <laughs> um, my Most of my family, I'll say my wife and my middle daughter, really don't care for NASCAR very much. When I was in Kentucky, I covered NASCAR for the first time. We've become really, pretty, really big NASCAR fans. We'll watch NASCAR races every Sunday afternoon while I'm putting together my Party of the Week nominations or, or, or such. Um, we'll watch NASCAR. Um, my oldest son is a sophomore. My middle daughter is an eighth grader. They're both heavily involved in band. Um, I try to to uh, get to as many of their performances as I can. Um, my youngest, no doubt, will probably soon be there. If I'm not watching sports, I'm just just kind of really reading and just honestly just vegetating. Some you know, sleeping is, is, is I guess it's a hobby, mm-hmm. you know, almost a hobby these days. Um, uh, try to do as much stuff at church as I can. Um, you know, with, with all these Sunday games, that makes it a challenge. Um, but uh, I'm fortunate to work on a Christian college campus where we have a lot of opportunities with, with daily chapel and things like that. Um, but, you know, you know, usually you can find me either in my house, at church, or at a sporting event. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's pretty much, that's probably about 95% of my life. I love to travel if I had the time and the money. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe someday when, um, 
the kids are out of the house and, and I'm retired, my wife and I will be able to do that more. But uh, I, I should give a shout out to my wife, Grace. She's an absolute saint. Uh, we've been married 20 years. And uh, um, to be an SID spouse is something special because you have to really have an understanding for the bizarre schedules that we keep. Um, it's really, really hard on her sometimes, especially this time of year when, when we're all up in 70, 80, 90 hour weeks. She's trying to keep our family together and make sure, you know, this kid's in the right spot at this time. And um, I really appreciate her um, helping out with that. And I'm, I'm glad my son's old enough now. My daughter's get, my oldest daughter's getting that way. They, I get free help running scoreboards and running video streams. Mm-hmm. And uh, they will work for me someday when they come to college. Perfect. Um, next time someone's in the uh, Oklahoma City area, what's your restaurant recommendation? Oh, my goodness. We have so many good Tex-Mex places here. But uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, one that's owned by uh, – well, it's not owned. It's run by a couple of former OC basketball players. Um, Alfredo's has several um, locations here in, in the Oklahoma City metro area. There's one not far from our campus. If you love Tex-Mex, go there. If you want to go just a little ways outside of town, about 45 minutes southwest of here in a town called Chickasha, there's a place called Jake's Rib. You've piqued my interest. Order the beef ribs, order the curly fries. I'll just say that. Um, if you look at my Facebook page, I went there last week. You will see a picture um, of some of the glorious barbecue they have there. It's wonderful. So, um, But... Uh, Nothing quite like uh, Alfredo's uh, enchilada. Um, that's kind of my go-to staple there. Awesome. Um, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, have any questions, follow up with you, what would be the best way to do it? Um, I am notorious about checking email and texts. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I, I'm on my phone pretty much constantly. Um, email is murray.evans at oc.edu. Um, I am making an effort to be on my personal Twitter account more and that's at Murray Evans and like most old fogies I am on Facebook a lot um, I know that's maybe not the choice for some of our colleagues in their, in their 20s and 30s but my generation likes Facebook and I'm on it a lot and you can find me Murray Evans you'll see the picture of me with my kids um, if you want to learn a lot about my kids <laughs> you can probably be there that's mostly about my kids awesome um well murray we all thank you very much for coming on we all really do appreciate it i appreciate you having me on and uh, i'm always glad to talk riding with anyone um so feel free to contact me awesome will do